Hey yo! Welcome to Ravsdom! This is Ravsig! And today is Ravsdom 8th episode, including specials! And today's episode is going to be a special one! Uh, so we are back to our uh, memories and uh, recollections from um, members of the community a bit and we went straight to the top uh, as far as Radio Sega goes guess who gave their um, choices and memories for today's episode none other than Green Viper 8 yes that is correct in the next hour you are going to listen to Green Viper 8's Sega Memories and his favorite tracks or at least his most memorable tracks um, essentially um, I've got to say that uh, the amount of information that uh, Viper wrote and gave me is definitely uh, very telling it clearly shows uh, just how passionate he is and uh, yes, so essentially I'm not even going to touch it I'm just going to narrate it in the third person as definitely this is a lot of information and it would be lost if I worked around with it so I just kept exactly the same structure that Viper sent me um, this is brilliant stuff really so yeah, so uh, when Selector restarts, I'm going to continue. Uh, Green Viper 8's Sega experience is probably a bit different to the standard fare you will be hearing on this show in the sense of that he got into the company very late in comparison to the many Mega Drive Genesis stories yet to come. Uh, despite saying all this, oh, oh, however, his story starts back with a Master System 2. Admittedly back in 2005, yeah, which changes this, the perspective a lot. Although, uh, Green Viper 8 is not sure of the specific backstory, his dad got a Master System 2 around 91, the 91 period, as a present for his mum, although he has no clue as to why or how, really. Where this matters though is that he, he'd supposedly watch his dad play those games around the time period listed, being enthralled by the flashing colors and characters. He remembers two games from around that time period Sonic 1 and Gangster Town but the one that really sticks out to him is Sonic 1 his first ever, his first ever memory is from Sonic 1 of specifically being sat in his room with his dad next to him blinds closed in a pitch black room and controller in hand for what could have possibly been the first time the stage in question the special stage
Sega's Fan Choice Song of the Year competition is open once again for 2019. We saw so many great games released between the months of November 2018 and November 2019 that I'm sure it's going to be a tough pick, but we still expect you to choose anyway. To cast your vote, visit radiose.ga forward slash fanchoice2019 and to check out the games list, visit radiose.ga forward slash song of 2019. Votes close on the 7th of December. Chase and Harbor from Gangster Town.
Rather than dwell on Rive Viper's master system past for too much longer, he thought they would shuffle things a little bit along. He did pick up a few more games for the system, such as Sonic 2, which you just heard. But for the next few years, his Master System playtime came from the Virtual Console aside. From the few times, he would drag the system out over the summer holidays. He doesn't remember too much about it at all, but at some point he received a Nintendo DS. Although if you ask when, he has absolutely no clue. But it was a light, so sometime after 2005, he also doesn't exactly remember the details, but it was either on Christmas 2005 or 2006 that he received a game that at the time meant so little, but was pretty significant when he looks back on it. Sonic Rush. He didn't get too hugely into the game until 2011, but it isn't like he tried. Leafstorm and that one carnival level just repeatedly kicked his ass, but the music stood out to him as something special. Despite all of this positivity, he was still a huge Mario fan at this point in time thanks to the DS converting him. So one game had to do its best to convert him to the blue team. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. He recalls seeing this for the first time in the Nargos catalogue, being one of the final years uh, of kids who annoyingly circled things as a large, obnoxious hint as to what he wanted. Although this was the DS version. He didn't get the DS version requested, but he did manage to get the shiny reversion that year. He doesn't recall if he got it the same year as we did get the Wii itself, but he recalls having to wrestle his family off of Wii Sports so he could play the game. And what a game it was. It's missing the Polish from later games, but it had its own Sega charm that you couldn't find anywhere else on the Wii at the time. It was the game that made him a Sonic fan for life. How do you follow that one up then? He keeps seeing these adverts for a new Sonic game on TV and Sonic turns into a cool werewolf. I need to get this, or he needs to get this. Haven't heard of these weird names they keep listing at the end, but it's on Wii, woohoo! He's got to get it. And so he did. On launch day, if not the day after the local supermarket, um, after from the local supermarket, and he sucked badly. This was another game he appreciated later on much more, but still thought it was awesome back then, despite not being able to clear the first Warhog level. We're exiting that stage of early childhood wonder now, and getting into the slightly more competent and knowledgeable phase, now that you enter just before you hit your tents. I knew I liked gaming at this point. Uh, he knew. And he grew up in an era where he always had internet, so why not combine the little he knows of the internet with his love of games? That's all to come after the song break.
one of our shows or want to give it another listen, you can download previous episodes from our media section at radiosega.net or stream them from Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.
so that was around the time Viper properly discovered the internet around the ripe age of six uh, he had seen some YouTube beforehand but he was exploring on his own now looking up anything to do with Sonic and doing that weird thing that kids do which is printing off random photos and things generally relating to a character they like in this case Sonic he wanted to learn more about the master system so he did he wanted to learn about uh, what other consoles there were so he did this and the influence of school friends um, led him to the Xbox 360 eventually around 2009 starting to request one in, the er in early 2010 on his birthday in 2010 he got his wish and once again this is a decision that can be regarded as life-changing for reasons coming up with it he received Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection and with his own money he got a copy of Sonic and SEGA All-Stars Racing that same day. Uh, there's one more track that he's left to explain and that's up first. We've all done it, and especially gamers, music piracy. Having watched clips of various Sonic games on YouTube, he decided that Sonic Heroes looked cool, so made it um, his thing to research into it as much as possible. He fell in love with the music, so he wanted a song on his iPod. He still doesn't really know how he figured out the process of searching for it, downloading it and importing to iTunes at that age, but he did it somehow. He jumped out to Sonic Heroes and Night of the Wind for many hours afterwards, and that's his slightly different spin on his first experience with piracy, no LimeWire involved.
Sega. It's playing. The best Sega music 24 7.
So, uh, I'm going to interrupt Viper's attacks to inform you of the tracks that just played. Those were... Um, Sonic Heroes from Sonic Heroes. Then, Retro Dreams, the main menu for the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection. And finally, the Sega Shop tune from Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. Continuing the narration. Next up is Viper's introduction to retro gaming proper, and he likes to attribute that to around 2012. Having been fully integrated with the internet for many years at that point, he roughly knew how things worked. He had known for a while of the GameCube backwards compatibility in the Wii and the OG Xbox compatibility in the 360 had come to his attention around the time we're speaking about now. He, he had a bit of money on him, so he ordered himself Sonic Heroes and Sonic Riders for the Xbox and Sonic Adventure 2 Battle for the GameCube. This was his introduction to his love of retro gaming, through frantic googling and trying to unlock the full potential of his consoles through hidden features, hidden features that opened up the floodgates to another world of games that had been released not that long ago, but had barely, barely slipped out of his reach and knowledge. The irony is that the only one of these games that he liked was Heroes. Although the HD port of SA2 that came out that year turned, turned it into his favorite Sonic game of all time, he would discover other titles around that time uh, that are still important to him now, including Sonic Adventure DX, which he had found on Xbox Live Arcade a few months prior in November 2011. He ended up getting a GameCube for his birthday in mid-2012, 10 years too late on that one, he knows, he knows. Which then, in of itself, opened up the floodgates to the GBA and Game Boy libraries with the GBA player. And in particular, the earliest title he recalls playing was Sonic Advance, which is still an extremely fun game for him to this day, and probably the most solid 2D game Sonic... This is... I'm gonna interrupt, this is a very controversial um, saying, but Viper claims that it is probably the most solid 2D game Sonic game in his opinion, even if he will always forget to mention the game in conversation. Interesting. Uh, his retro stint started off with him getting a, a GBA followed by two PSPs, and then we opened the floodgates to the likes of the Dreamcast, which he had wanted since around 2020, but never knew how to get one, or later on uh, where to find one affordably, and, the, and Saturn as well as some Nintendo, some Sony and some Microsoft. Uh, retro gaming offers experiences that you can't find nowadays, and so many games, regardless of quirks of their time, are still enjoyable, so why should he let the fact that many of these games were before his time bother him. If they were impressive back then, they were still impressive by today's standards. By those standards set, yet so many people seem to expect him to judge them by today's rules. 
because that's how it's always been for him. Learn to appreciate his love for all games rather than calling him fake. Historians weren't born during the Victorian era. That doesn't mean that they can have a fascination with the period.
Radio Sega Golden Axe. Sega tunes are here. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24 7. while but we escaped that sonic dominated period by the way the songs that played um, just before were uh, pleasure castle uh, from sonic adventure followed by bubbly washing machine from super monkey ball 2 and finally suburban museum from nights into dreams As, uh, as I was narrating, it took a while, but we escaped that Sonic-dominated period. Uh, Viper never really claimed to be a Sega fan before, but now, ju but just rather, 
he liked some games they produced. He very much so wore the colors of being a Sonic fan loud and proud, something he's admittedly toned back in the last few years as he finds himself becoming ever distant from those who claim the same title. We're running out of time, so perfect time in that case to get onto his history with Radio SEGA. He had heard the site mentioned before, but his first interaction was around December 2014. Ironically, he was a listener of SEGA Sonic Radio, and if you remember that name, you might be eligible for a veteran's discount. He's going to get himself in a lot of trouble. He always stuck his nose up at RS, thinking of it as a more boring site than SSR due to the generally slower taste in music, thanks to the 24-7 rotation being dominated with RPG tracks. He eventually relented and started to listen to the station more around December 2014, as an easy listening station to fall asleep to while SSR was his daytime playlist. A few live shows picked his attention. His interest, though, something SSR claimed to have but would either be on late at night in UK time or were not in fact airing at all, so that concept was interesting to him as were some of those shows themselves. The SEGA Lounge was the initial twinkle that caught his eye with one of the Shenmue episodes and especially the Sonic Show episode. He thankfully neglected to mention his overbearing love for the channel in the very, very early to mid-2010s. He apologizes for what you had to deal with, guys. He loved the format of the show and of course the sexy Donnie and the Casey Casey. So he stuck around for some more shows, eventually prompting him to jump ship to Radio Sega's Top 40 Countdown. And then finally to the big hook, the one that made his invested for life. Winterfest 2014, he's another one of those pivotal moments that he keeps mentioning in that the rest of his life changed because of it. The first ever Winterfest had a ton of great shows and personalities, and the entire operations was so slickly run and fun to listen to that he became a listener for life, and he perhaps one day wanted to try out hosting a radio show for himself. Which was no doubt helped by being spurred on by the British Handy. He continued to listen for a few years after catching every minute he could he possibly could of Winterfest without getting caught doing so at 3am. Eventually he was greeted um, with an opportunity in 2016. A friend wanted to apply to Radio Sega and being such a huge fan of the station I wanted to help in any way I could. Uh, he agreed to let him be a co-host for his show and he agreed to those terms too. They started brainstorming ideas and they were sounding good, but then he had a sudden spur of influence. This might be the only opportunity he, he gets to submit a social radio Sega. If that is the case, then why not go all out? That he did, and he put together a pitch for the Dreamcast Tower, which he feared would be rejected for months on hand, until eventually it got the green light 
And there he sat talking to 30 strangers he'd never met before while his heart beated away and he felt like he could almost faint. Next week it was Winterfest 2016 and his jaw continued to be on, on the floor in regards to the fact that he was taking part. Not only was hosting a show on RS a dream come true, but this was the ultimate dream. To host a show in the marathon that blew his mind and changed his world. The show wasn't great, but it was his second episode in. But he thought that he got to do it... But the fact that he got to do it is mental, even in the position that he's in now. He got hired as a permanent member of the staff, picking up his weight outside of his show where possible, which led, led him to his promotion to admin in August 2018. As um, everyone does, especially at the age he was then when a joined the site, you dream big, and he had always dreamed that perhaps maybe one day he could run or help run Radio Sega. He never expected it to happen, and he's at a complete loss for words describing how he felt on that day when his blue name tag was handed to him. And that meant in turn that he got to take over operations of Winterfest. The thing that had influenced me so much as a teen was now his. Of course, that had influenced him. Uh, it was now his, and he had free reign to do whatever he saw fit with it. He honestly had no clue any of this could be possible five years ago, and he is so thankful for every supporter who's backed him along the way. Being a part of RS changed his view on life, he taught him that he had something worth saying, and that he deserved some respect as a human at the time where he received none. It got him industry, connect industry connections, it turned him from a nobody into a somebody into the online sphere and in the least corny way possible. It made him a ton of friends who he's not quite frankly sure what he'd do without. These last few songs uh, reflect some important memories from uh, Winterfests since he focused so heavily on them. I know they are minor details of his Radio Sega career, but in his mind every single one of them was a major event, regardless of if he was just listening as a blissful listener in love, or if he was taking part or running the event, and they have created some of his favorite memories of his entire life. Song 1 is a song that got played to death in 2018 and made him resent it, regardless of how good a tune it really is. And Song 2 is a fondly remembered song from 2014. On behalf of uh, Green Viper 8, thanks for listening to his story and apologies for the Sonic spam. He was told to talk about his history not his present or his future.
final words from me before this show is over. An incredible and huge thank you to Green Viper 8 for this amazing uh, setting and work. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've been doing for Radio Sega in the last few years. Uh, I'm sure that every single one of us appreciates it a lot. Please keep on enjoying Radio Sega. Follow it on Twitter and you will be in touch with the next shows. See you this weekend for more streaming!